0: Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I, I feel a little selfish, Peter. We were talking before the podcast, and and uh, I told you a little bit about my weekend, but I didn't hear about yours. How was your weekend? I was fine. We had just
2: spectacular weather here in, in the Boston area, just beautiful, so got take a uh, nice long walk with my wife and uh, went through, we've got a beautiful uh, Audubon trail right near our house. So we took a went out for a couple hours and uh, just walked in the woods. So it was really nice.
1: Oh, that's nice, man. I, I've only been to the Boston area one time in my life and I loved it. It was just, it was gorgeous. And I, I, I mean, so much to see. And so that was, that was a big part of our trip. And, and the funny thing is Peter, is when we landed, there was a group of seven of us and we were just talking about, you know, where did we want to go first? What did we kind of want to see? We had business to do, but we also had some free time and uh, everybody had some pretty good ideas. And, and one guy was insistent. The first place we go to is target cause he had to buy a loofah. He forgot his <laughs> loofah. And I'm thinking real dude, you need a lo-? anyway. I, I love the man, but uh, he really needed that loofah. So the first place we went in Boston was a target store. <laughs> So, uh, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) well, yeah, we've got those here, too. (laughs) Yeah. In case you didn't know, Boston has Targets. Just everybody. We're not we're not endorsing Target necessarily, but they have them if you want to go anyway. So today we're talking about lives well lived and planned. And, And Peter sent me this note ahead of time. Lives well lived and planned. And that to me is is kind of a beautiful phrase, but I want to know your take on it. What does that mean? yeah um
2: you know one of the reasons why i I love my work is because i'm able to accompany a a family on their journey through life and i can you know tangentially experience their their joys and their sorrows and their highs and lows Mm -hmm. and and it's really a privilege i I cherish i just i just really like that part of my my work uh and so one of my clients recently passed away so very sad um she was about 75 and had alzheimer's disease that was diagnosed about six years ago and it really got me thinking about this privilege that that i have that i work with these these people you know Mm -hmm. this woman and her husband and how our work together i think enhanced their lives and it, it makes me feel good and and i know it he he and and she really appreciated the work we did together And that work's going to benefit. It benefited them. It still benefits him uh, and and will benefit their children and grandchildren. So it's a, as I said, it's a great privilege. And and I've been thinking about them in that vein. I thought we would uh, have a conversation today about that. Yeah. I I would love to hear more about them. I'd love to tell you. So when when I think about um, Sam and Sally Smith and Obviously, the names are changed. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded about one of my favorite books about wealth. And so I'm going to spend a few minutes just summarizing uh, some of the major important points of the book. And then I'll talk a little bit about Sally and Sam. Uh, not in great detail, but, but I think uh, the book is a good launching uh, pad. And it really describes them uh, from a financial perspective. So um, I thought I would spend a few minutes talking about The Millionaire Next Door. Mm-hmm. which is a, a book first published in 1996 uh, almost, you know, 25 years ago written by Thomas uh, J. Stanley and William D. Danko. And frankly, I think it's still a, a, a very relevant book for all readers, both professionals as well as as uh, individuals who are looking just to understand wealth in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's based on 20 years of research that is studying the why and how millionaires are in our country you know uh, I think now with inflation and over time I'll I'll suggest that the today's title for this book might be the multi millionaire next door Uh, inflation over time can can ruin the purchasing power of of even millionaires so um, so this is an important book it really it really got me thinking when I was um, uh, you know newer in the business of financial planning about who who millionaires are and What uh, Stanley and Danko do is they they look at? Um, they, they kind of compare two different kinds of wealth holders. They look at they compare the under accumulator of wealth to a prodigious accumulator of wealth mm-hmm. So the under accumulator of wealth has a, a low net worth compared to their income. And these people are typically, they're, they're typically income affluent, meaning they have a high income and a low net worth compared to their income. And they're high income, they may be high income professionals, but they have lots of expenses. Mm-hmm. They have a big house, they have a big mortgage, they live in a high tax community. They might drive expensive cars, they might have, could send their kids to private schools, they might have expensive travel. No, there's nothing wrong with that, <laughs> with mm-hmm. all those things. So it's not a value judgment, it's just the fact is that they make very high income and they spend a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Then, then we compare that to the prodigious accumulators of wealth. And it's really this reciprocal of the underaccumulator. <laughs> um, it's someone who's got a high net worth compared to their income. And, and I would describe these people as balance sheet affluent, meaning they have actual wealth. They may have good income. They may have really high income, but they spend less than they, they really accumulate actual wealth. So this distinction um, is really important. It's really that 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 actual wealth or net worth Can actually produce income that's sustainable When the income when the earned income stops mm-hmm. and another important point. It's also transferable to, to the next generation What the book really talks about is this neighbor that you may have you 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 may be that millionaire <laughs> next door um who's a a, who who tends to accumulate wealth for three primary reasons and primarily it's because they they live below their means Mm so not in not a new concept you know they buy less expensive cars they live in smaller homes they tend to send their kids to public school their entertainment expenses are low they they buy buy value brands versus luxury brands so they are shopping at target Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know they're just there's they're, they're they're not saving i mean so they're not spending as much as they earn yeah and that's that's a, an important distinction for the prodigious accumulators of wealth um the other distinction i think this is really important is that they have partners that share their values so they, their spouse for example shares their their values a, a, around around their around living and, mm-hmm. and what they want, what's important to them. And I think the, the message here is just harder to become an, a, 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 um, that millionaire, that prodigious accumulator of wealth if your partner has different values. Yeah. And so I think that's just an important distinction. Yeah, absolutely. The final and third reason that, that millionaires tend to accumulate uh, wealth is because they focus on creating wealth. They real they know how much they have they know how much they make meaning how much they earn in income and they know how much they spend and lastly they focus on on saving to meet their goals so it's it's just a, they spend time they spend they focus on it, it mm-hmm. it's become it's part of their value system and they also and I think this is part of of, of, of saving, uh, toward goals is they also invest in their careers, they invest in their education, they invest in their business, and so creators of wealth tend to do these thre- these three things. They spend less than they earn. They sh- they they have people around them in their world, their spouse, their kids, their friends that share similar values, and they focus on on creating wealth. And I, I think. You know from a planning perspective um we do all financial planners will tell you that they really do enjoy working with these prodigious accumulators of wealth because they share similar values to the planner
1: <laughs> yeah so. yeah absolutely and, and and i think one thing that they don't do is they don't have that keeping up with the Joneses mentality right i mean that's yes. that's one of the biggest things and and i think that a lot of society gets caught up in that oh man look look they Man, they got that new car. They got that new truck. Uh, that wow, that's shiny. It's beautiful. Yeah, man, look at my truck. <laughs> my my truck is not shiny or beautiful. Uh, yeah. I, I could probably update that. Well, no, their, their truck still runs, and they take care of it and they maintain it because they know that that's you know a much smaller expense than buying something new. So, I think that that's definitely something that that each one of those people have. Now, my question to you is: Were Sam and Sally Smith the millionaires next door? They absolutely were.
2: Uh, You know, I met them about 20 years ago. And their accountant introduced them to me. And at the time, my office was in Waltham, a a suburb of Boston. And uh, just last week, Sam reminded me that that was the the, the, that was our first place we met. Mm. Uh, So they were absolutely the millionaire next door. And so when, when I met them, they were they were in their late 50s. They had three grown kids. Uh, he ran a very small insurance agency uh, around the Boston area that that he actually took over from his dad. Mm. And, and most of his clients lived in and around Boston as he did. And Sam definitely worked the business. Uh, he he didn't build it dramatically. It just grew over, over a long period of time, mm-hmm. um, just like his dad did in that generation. And um, frankly, Sam earned enough income to live in a small house in a really nice community. And he sent his kids to college, and he saved, and he he lived a, a pretty pretty good pretty good life. You know, yeah. they they were happy. Uh, Sally didn't work. They had f- lots of friends. Uh, he had a hobby of restoring old antique cars. They visited their daughter, uh, who in her family w- w- they lived down south, and they at the time their two sons lived locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of their sons uh, did get married over, over the last uh, ten years, and. And uh, within the last few years, he's also moved south as well. And I think it's just important to note that the the third son has been a real challenge to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived at home. He didn't work, uh, and, and he suffered with so mental health issues that, that caused uh, Sam and Sally, frankly, lots of uh, lots of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very difficult part of their of their world. Yeah. And uh, but it was their life, and they accepted it. And um, you know that's every family's got stuff Absolutely. and uh sam and sally had st- stuff i also just note that uh sam's uh sister w- was uh a spe- was special needs uh and she lived in a a home uh a residence with w- for for those with special needs mm-hmm. and uh sam would visit her weekly and was very attentive to to nice. her over her lifetime as well and so yeah sam and sally they were the just the quintessential Millionaire next door. They lived below their means. They they shared similar values about family, money, and their friends, and they did focus on creating enough wealth to support them and and allow them to live exactly as they wanted.
1: Yeah, that's nice.
2: Yeah, it really is. It really is nice. And and, and I I became their financial guide, you know, about twenty years ago. And I, I call it, you know I think of myself as their coach, and and frankly, they did all the hard work. Mm -hmm. you know they save they work Uh, they did keep track of their expenses they they updated their wills and trusts they they made sure their beneficiaries on life insurance and IRAs were appropriate you know with our council they met with us at least annually and most years we had multiple meetings to review you know special situations or help them make decisions Uh, when I met them uh, they were a hundred percent invested in in no-risk certificates of deposits. And Hmm. over time, uh, we slowly moved them into more balanced portfolios of stocks and bonds. And frankly, over the time we worked together, uh, they experienced lots of bad markets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Lots of volatility. Uh, And there was angst. Uh, Not always easy for them to stay in the market, but uh, they stuck to this moderate risk strategy. And frankly, they've done just fine. They've, they've surpassed the returns they would have had in, in no risk investments. And it's really, it did allow them to um, to do what they're doing now, yeah. what they have been doing. Just a little bit more background, Sam being in the insurance business, he he made sure he was adequately insured with, with life and disability and long-term care insurance. He also owned some annuities and they offered protected lifetime income. It, and they were really happy about that—that that protected income. Uh, so when the stock market went down, their annuity income just continued. It didn't really, it didn't, didn't change at all. Yeah. And and that they feel felt really comfortable about. You know, over the years, they they revised their estate plan. Uh, they treated their their, their son appropriately, uh, who had the, the the mental health issues. They they established a trust for him. They chose mm-hmm. an independent trustee you know they just did they did the things that they needed to do it was it was often a struggle frankly we we had long deep conversations about these things that they were doing but they did it they took action again was not always easy
1: mm-hmm.
2: they saved a lot you know with, lived lived within their means and about 10 years ago sam decided it was time to sell his business and retire yeah and he felt really good about doing it you know, just want that that type of person that was primarily concerned about his clients, that they were taken care of, cared less about uh, getting the maximum value for the business, he wanted some value, but he really wanted to make sure his clients were taken care of. So um, you know, uh, uh, when that decision was reached, we spent a lot of time going through his goals. So we felt comfortable that that they could they could meet their goals over the next 20 and 30 years tragically, a a few years after uh, Sam retired, Sally was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Mm. And uh, he was an amazing and committed husband. And he became her primary caretaker. And as, uh, as she declined, it it just became clear a few years ago that he just couldn't continue to provide the care safely in the in their home. It just became too much. So they started looking at assisted living facilities, and that had memory care uh, uh, units near the Boston area. And uh, so it was a a very difficult decision, but something that they that they knew they needed to do. But Sam had some challenges. Um, You know, they they had the son living with them uh, in their basement. And that's that was a challenge what to do with him you know, getting Sally to agree to this kind of change. It it was was not an easy thing for for Sam and Sally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, how to pack up 50 years of stuff and downsize, and it just seemed totally overwhelming. I introduced them to an elder care consultant that could could help Sam work through all of these decisions. You know, this is her area of expertise. And she was fantastic. And at the same time that they started working with the consultant, uh, their daughter suggested that they move into an assisted living facility in the in, in the in the southern state, you know, to be near her and her family. Mm-hmm. And uh, the consultant took that into account as they worked together. Their married son was also moving his family south, and uh, you know, so they'd be a little bit closer to him. Um, Their son with the with the issues was was just becoming difficult to handle and the elder care consultant stepped in and helped Sam deal with all of those challenges. They actually brought in a counselor uh, for the son, uh, help him work through uh, his living arrangements, um, his financial arrangements. So that was just a a fantastic weight off of their shoulders. Uh, it was really just wonderful. I'm just, it was so fantastic that the consultant was able to work with them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, after about 12 months, they were able to get everything done, they sold the house, um, it it got a very good price for it. you are working with a realtor that they knew in their neighborhood. Um, The son received the care he needed and the assistance he needed. Um, They moved into an assisted living facility down south near the daughter. And it was really, it was just great. And, and and Sam just felt like he made the right decision. And it took a little bit of time for them to get used to being the, being there and being in a new place. But frankly, it just, it, it took the stress off off of him. And um, it, it over it, this, this process, which took probably in total of about 18 months from kind of the thinking that maybe this is something we should do to actually doing it um, was one one of the best decisions that they made yeah uh, and just an aside as far as the, the from a financial standpoint they had the long-term care insurance in place mm. which paid for a lot of the long-term care facilities so um, Sam was very very happy that that they had that as well yeah so um, you know, one thing I would just want to say. Last fall, I was down in, in, in down south for a business conference, and uh, I, I was just fortunate to to be able to drive about ninety minutes from where I was from where the business meeting, and go see them in their new residence, and it was just really one of the most inspiring. Um, meetings I've had that I got to see them. I was one of the first people that they've ever that they saw from from Boston since they moved down there. Mm. You know, I just again, I felt that privilege of being able to
1: able to to be with them. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful story, and it's. It, I'm getting a little choked up here. I'll be honest because I've I've had family members who've gone through Alzheimer's and and the just the overall devastation financially and emotionally and all that stuff can be very, very difficult. And so for him to have all these resources at his fingertips, um, I think is amazing. And, and Peter, you and I have talked before. Again, I appreciate the fact that you're not the guy for everything, right? And you don't claim to be the, 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 the master of all trades. Like you're not an expert in elder care care. As, as far as being a consultant and knowing all the ins and outs. There's so many different things with elder care specifically that people need to know. And, and how long do you stay in your home? When is it time to look for a facility? What kind of facility you're looking for? What kind of experts need to be at that facility? And and being an expert in the areas that you are, you're able to help them. But the, the bottom line is that you have a deep bench. You have a team that supports you that you can call on and say, hey, look, this is what I need. This isn't my exact area, but this is somebody I have as a resource for you. So that, I think that's fantastic. Man, there's so many things that they were juggling at one time and I, I can't imagine how relieved also the son and, and daughter that live down South are that they're able to be you know, closer to, to family and they were able to be closer to Sally in, in those last few years. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that.
2: No, oh, it's, it's a great, I, I love this story because it's, very, it's frankly typical. You know, it's that it's the get rich slow story. You know, it's a it's a a loving family story. It's a family with challenges, right? That that every family has. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, I spoke to Sam recently, and he really is a piece, you know, he did everything he could for his kids and his wife. And I know he'll miss her terribly. Uh, They were just great partners. But, you know, he was able to make the, the difficult decisions because he had adequate resources. Yeah. you know um he did the planning and it just it it, it made it made a difference and he'll he, you know he'll be moving out of this assisted living facility soon uh li- living with near his daughter and son-in-law so mm-hmm. he's sad but but confident that you know he just did the best he could yeah. and uh hopefully his neighbors uh they may not realize it but he'll definitely be be their millionaire next door yeah. and i i do hope they appreciate Um, I certainly know I do great, great, great man
1: and, um, great family. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that Sam and and Sam, I hope you know who you are, even though your name has changed on the podcast. I hope Sam is listening to this podcast right now. And and if he is, Sam, I'm going to ask you to, if, if you have time, if you have the, the inkling at all, please be a mentor, find some, some young folks that you can mentor and show them what you've done and just talk about your story and, and share that with them because, that is what's needed. I think that too many people have the mentality of, man, for a parent's sake, I need to keep up with the Joneses or I need to do something different. I need to have a bigger, better home or a better car. And what you've done to set your family up for success is the story and the, the teaching that people need. So please, if you haven't done it already, consider being a mentor because your story is fantastic. Um, sorry, audience, I didn't mean to <laughs> derail it completely just for Sam, but I, I think that's important. Uh, and, and speaking of importance, Peter, I know and I understand the importance of planning obviously sam did and again I, I appreciate the planning that you do with your clients
2: well you know i think of myself as as, as that guide mm-hmm. and uh sam, our clients like sam and sally they they do the work they, they focus on their values they they have a prudent lifestyle they they accumulate wealth for for the right reasons to yeah. meet their financial objectives not just to accumulate and they're willing to plan, they think ahead, and they take action, and that just makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Peter, great podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing that story and uh, really sharing what it looks like to, to have that positive mental attitude when it comes to just all those pieces, all the moving pieces in in our family life, in our business life, and, and in our financial life. No, uh, thank you, Eric. You betcha. And the last thank you always goes to you, audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors, securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.